in some ways, it's an opportunity. It's a motivation for for symphony orchestras to explore how they can be relevant to their society, to their to their community. As my boss says to uh, you know Maestro Delta David Gar, the music director here, how can we uniquely serve our unique community? In this episode, I'm talking to conductor Thomas Fortner. Hi, Thomas. <laughs> nice to meet you. Lovely to meet you too. Yeah. Where are you uh, at the moment? I am in South Dakota, where there is currently about two inches of snow on the ground, uh, four centimeters. Really? <laughs> uh, oh, uh, wow. Which just happened. And the worst part is my car has a flat tire, yeah. and I was going to replace it yesterday when the weather was perfect, and I decided, ah, oh, wait till tomorrow when it snows. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> but um, you are you are assistant conductor at the is it the South Dakota Symphony? That's right. Yep. Yeah. How long have you been there? I have been there since 2017, so about five years. Oh, okay. So, um, but tell me about your career. How did you start in music? Well, my, I guess it, my first conducting lesson ever was when I was about five years old or so with my father. My dad was a, uh, um, in a previous career, he was a music educator. So he was a band director, orchestra director in uh, the high school level. Um, and uh, he went on to become a scientist uh, after that. But, but I was raised around music and grew up going to symphony rehearsals and concerts. So my first lesson actually was, uh, was begging him to teach me to read music because obviously there was so much music being played in the house. And so I, um, we ended up sitting down. He had a score to Beethoven's Sixth Symphony. We listened to the recording and, and uh, read along the score. And then I started piano then uh, switched to cello when I was about eight years old. And then I, um, I went to... Couple different schools. I went to University of Illinois in the middle of the, the country, uh, and then I transferred to McGill University um, after my teacher had moved on to a different school. So I went to McGill in Montreal, Canada, which was great, and finished my um, performance degree there, and then did also a master's degree in cello. And then I went to Johns Hopkins uh, Peabody Institute in Baltimore, Maryland, and did my um, diploma in conducting with Marin Alsop. And uh, Mark Anthakar was my other teacher as well. And then I applied to this job here in South Dakota and was lucky enough to get it. Wow. So, I've been here ever since. so it's uh, from, from the age of five, this was what you wanted to do, be a musician? Yeah, or I think so. Or, yeah. Did you yeah. really then thought, I want to be a conductor? You know, I, um, I think so, yeah. You know, early on, I mean, there were other times where I, I sort of lost that main dream and was more focused on cello stuff yeah no, well, for a while. sorry i just want uh, this is lily barking at the back i've got okay. <laughs> lily come 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 here come. this is lily hello lily i like your bow <laughs> lily's here heard somebody at the door sorry to interrupt you but okay oh, yeah. okay sorry. Yeah, carry on. Um, I forget what we were talking about. I, oh, I guess, yeah. Well, I, was yeah to be, I was asking if, if this was what you wanted to do all along, this, you know, being a conductor. Was it the conducting that, that fascinated you or was it just music 
um, I think, over I think music in general, I think I had early on some good role models as conductors, and I found that particularly fascinating. Um, but I think my dad explained to me very early on, too, that, you know, in order to be a conductor, you have to be a really excellent musician, uh, instrumentalist or vocalist here. Um, and uh, so that was always the focus. But, you know, later on, I, I think I, for, for many years, I wasn't really focused on conducting at all. It was all about other role models that I thought were cool. It's sort of like the cool guy of the day. Uh, and so, you know, for a while I wanted to be an orchestral cellist for other while I wanted to be a chamber musician. Um, and I, and I did both of those things, um, while I was in college and even around it, you know, I played in some professional orchestras on the side and I, I played in a string quartet that, that, uh, did competitions and, um, you know, lots of concerts in Montreal and, and elsewhere. So yeah, uh, it was even, even when I, when I went to college, I, I, about the first year I knew that I wanted to be a conductor, but I knew that I had a process to go through as a, as a musician. Um, and so I, I focused a lot on, you know, for example, when I was uh, an undergraduate, we didn't have to, I think we only had to do a few concerts a year as a, as a, in the orchestra. And I, I asked voluntarily to do everything because mm -hmm. I wanted the whole, I wanted to learn the repertoire from that angle and, um, to talk to the conductor about it after rehearsal and just sort of, um, kind of integrate my way in there. And then I was also taking some like undergraduate, it was actually more of like a graduate level conducting class that was offered to anybody. Uh, and I audited that for many years and then continued to take it actively. So that, that really helped get, you know, give me a jump start before I went to grad school for conducting. So I've spoken to a lot of musicians in America and, and also in, in Canada. And it seems to be that the, the funding, there's no funding from the state, for example. So these orchestras, they are all privately funded or sponsored. And does this make some, uh, or does this, uh, for a musician coming up in, in training and so on, do you always have to keep that in mind that being a conductor, for example, will not just only be conducting, but it will also be the role of, um, right. you know, looking for sponsors and getting your orchestra going and so on. Yeah, I think, um, so I've, I've never lived in Europe. I've, I've spent about a month total, uh, maybe a bit more than that, just over a few different times. So I don't know a lot about the model. I, I, I gather that the, that the state, depending on what country you're in, funds quite a lot of... Yeah. Cultural Institute, and it's it's not really like that here. Uh, in Canada, I think was a little bit better funded from the government, um, but still, yeah, it's very much the 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 nonprofit model as we call it. Um, and certainly, the you know the role of a of a conductor of a music director, we'll call it, when you have a position in America, um, a large portion of that job, depending on the orchestra and the level of the you know, the budget and whatnot. Um, so much of that is has to do with just, you know, finding the next, finding the next partnership, finding the next uh, funders and, and building personal relationships with those folks. As a young conductor, um, you have to be pretty entrepreneurial. You have to, it's, it's, there are, there are many more conductors than there are 
opportunities provided. And so, um, for example, even on a very practical level, like, okay, I need to have a video that for my portfolio so that I could use to apply for grad school. Well, then you got to put together an orchestra uh, mm -hmm. of colleagues. And so in that, in that sense, I raised money for pizza and beer, you uh, know, <laughs> and you know, people, I was very, very lucky to do that. I, I actually had a, one of my best friends was also a conductor. And so we sort of split that together. Uh, and had volunteers to play a concert with us. And, you know, I, I had, there's sort of a market for that anyways. Uh, the, I ended up playing all around the city with the different schools. Quite often I played for other conductors recitals. Uh, I, I made a point to kind of do that in hopes that they would turn around and play in mine, which they did. Uh, okay. uh, but, uh, and there's, you know, so many great musicians in Montreal. Um, and if you choose great repertoire, people will play it, I think. So, yeah, so that, that's like a very basic level. You know, I, I, I founded a music festival in Iowa um, while I was still in grad school. Um, that was more towards the, less the conducting thing and more towards the chamber music side of my life, the cello playing part of my life. Um, that's since gone, that festival since kind of gone dormant. Um, my collaborator has retired and so the, the funding source sort of dried up. But, but yeah, that was also, so much of that was was not directly music related. Um, yeah, a lot of what we do here is about trying to get the music to happen in the first place. Yeah, so you have to have a bit of a business sense then as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, and um, also what I found interesting by speaking to different conductors is that, and, and, and I never knew that, was that these, uh, you know, it's... Uh, different to uh, conduct an orchestra for just an, a concert, say, for example, and then also for opera and for ballet, it's also yeah. totally different. And I saw on Instagram that you did, uh, you conducted for Nutcracker, for, for a ballet. Yeah, yeah. So, so we didn't do the full ballet. We did, we did a couple of numbers uh, with dancers and a couple of numbers just with orchestra. It was part of... Um, it was part of our, our um, Christmas pops, which I don't know if that's a concept that's a thing in the rest of the world, but you can think of like the Boston pops, probably people have heard of that. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of a whole funny conversation that I guess pops music goes way back, but, um, but anyways, uh, Christmas pops. So it's a lot of, uh, it's the most wonderful time, you know, music uh, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Also with, with some sacred music, uh, um, and we put a nutcracker because it's the greatest Christmas music that was ever written, I think, uh, along with Messiah and a couple other um, oratorios. So, um, yeah, what's what's different about working with dancers? I've, I've I've done it in some other contexts, and first of all, music is music, but it's a collaboration. It's a lot like working with a soloist as a conductor, where you're not the only one making the decisions about tempo or various things like that. Mainly it's tempo. And, and, um, so there's just, it's just a simple collaboration of conversations about that. And, um, you want to watch for certain places to make sure that they're in place. Um, the numbers that we did were pretty straightforward. Um, I've worked with the Martha Graham company before dance company, uh, I was an assistant there. That was a lot more, uh, involved making sure that you know what the dance is and, 
but they they'll follow you as well. You follow them, you follow they follow you. It's sort of a little collaboration like that. But Tempe, or you you got to be really on the ball with that. But do you enjoy that type of thing? Because I heard it's quite challenging with ballet to do that. Yeah, you know, I um, I talked to other colleagues of mine, conductors, and they say, oh, ballet is so restrictive and. I don't know. I think the music, so much, so much of the music is great. We got like the Rite of Spring, Firebird, Nutcracker, uh, Debussy, Fawn. I mean, there's so much great repertoire out there. I was reading a book recently. Um, cannot think of the title, but but it, it's, um, I think it's called Right to Spring. It, it basically talks, it's an investigation of the cultural time period and what was going on in history when the Rite of Spring was written and how investigating how the music is, is aligned with the world events at the time with the major majorly the uh, mainly the first world war and uh stravinsky i think it was stravinsky was quoted as saying that he thinks that that ballet is the superior art form it was something that that wagner was hoping to find the the total art form right the all of the different genres and, and disciplines coming together to this one you know his operas but um, Mr. Stravinsky, I think it was, or maybe it was Nijinsky. I, I, it's been a while since I've, I've read the book, but one or the other thought about, you know, there's, there's a lot of restrictions of, uh, you know, you stand over here and you're saying, you go over here and you're saying verses and there's, there's a text and you battle between the words and the not versus ballet, which is also abstract in the same way that music is abstract. Um, and so I think those two are probably the closest brothers of, of genres of music or genre or rather genres of art. Um, and I think they go the, go together really beautifully mm-hmm. in the way that they're, they're quite abstract. So I, um, I absolutely love working with dance. I think it's, it's really mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's the only other art form I think that, that you experience over a period of time rather than a painting that you see. <clears throat> I suppose you could say that about a movie or a book, um, but in those contexts, I believe you can go back and look at stuff. Um, but music is very sort of instantaneous, and I think um, dance is the same way. Um, now, tell me, I also saw you—you uh, you fly. Um, That's right. You're, you're a you're a pilot. Or a, I'm, well, a, technically, I'm a student pilot. Uh, a student pilot. Okay. Yeah. 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 Wonderful. It's and and what was the the idea of or the love for flying where does that come so flying goes way back in my family it goes all the way back to my great-grandfather in world war one and then my grandfather and my uncle are pilots on the other side my dad is a pilot so i grew up i must have been one or two years old watching my dad learn to fly um and i'm going flying with him so i caught the bug pretty early um and uh you know recently i've been hanging around a flight school and um and i take lessons when i can it's 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 a great expense you, you got to throw a lot of money down at once um so i haven't committed to that yet but you know you I, I meet flying people and so i go somebody texts me like hey meet me at two o'clock at the airport let's go you know oh okay so that's yeah. kind of how that works and and occasionally I'll, I'll book a lesson i'm not really you know serious about it yet uh, I'd love to, but you know, music, music is a pretty demanding thing. And yeah. early on in your career, you know, you don't exactly have the, the resources mm-hmm. <laughs> to spend 
Yeah, yeah. I think this is because you also have to have many hours and keeping that up, and um, and and I can imagine that is it's not. Yeah, it would be it would be a situation where I would. Uh, it's about to get your license, depending on the the curriculum that you go with that's approved by the the government. It would be either thirty five to forty hours minimum. Um, before you can get your license. So right now I'm, I'm just collecting hours and collecting different oh, okay. types of crap in my logbook just for fun. Some, I mean, sometimes I go flying and I can't technically log it because I'm not flying with a chief or a, a, a oh, sort of okay. instructor. Other times I do. So uh, just a way to keep that passion going. And, you know, there's another conductor, uh, Daniel Harding, uh, rather famous guy uh, who is actually is leaving the, living the dream life as far as I'm concerned. He's... Is a you know world-renowned conductor conducts you know Vienna Philharmonic, the Berlin Phil, uh, etc. But also uh, is a uh, airline pilot for Lufthansa, I believe. So really? somehow, yeah. My goodness. <laughs> so he lives a he lives a double life as a as a I think he's a first officer right now, and he'll work his way up to being a captain eventually, and uh, and also a, a conductor. Well, it's it's two very demanding jobs, you know. That he's yeah, doing. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least in at least in music, nobody dies if we take the wrong tempo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. if you look at it that way. <laughs> uh, um, but uh, tell me now, um, what is your what is your wish for the future? Well, um, what specifically <laughs> in music and. Yeah, and, and, and life, it's, it's uh, anything. It's it's hard to say specifically about, you know, as a conductor, we um, we didn't always have the greatest control of our destiny. People often ask, so where do you want to end up? And I'm like, you know, I can't give you a specific city because it kind of depends on the openings. I think the best answer I could give you is is to work with really passionate musicians who are work, play at a really high level and... and um, and and with the management, whether that means it's there in Europe or here that that is open to trying new things, um, you know, something that I'm working on right now, um, <clears throat> just trying to find make the logistics work of it, but is to do a production of the Rite of Spring on a farm outside uh, with with dancers and some sort of chamber orchestra, small wow. orchestra, uh, and and make it. Part of a part of an event that is exploring um, hopeful, hopeful. Uh, what's the word? Hopeful answers to climate change. So we're we're pretty inundated with like the world's going to end, and we all know about that. But like, what can we do about it? Yeah. Um, so those those things really interest me. I'm I'm interested in a lot of I you know I'm part of um, little social clubs or groups that we talk about infrastructure and boring things like civic design and sustainable agriculture and things. So I think it would be really interesting to literally bring the arts and the sciences together in that sense. Um, you know, to be like, kind of like a, you know, right a spring on a farm in the mud with a, with a campfire, like Woodstock meets Stravinsky or something. Or oh, this sounds Burning amazing. Man. It sounds amazing. Yeah. And you know what? I think um, uh, it's something where we, we, um, uh, can raise uh, awareness and 
and in this way, you know, make people aware, but not not uh, you know, in in a way to think about it and to, um, you know, so that it's not this you have to do this or 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 you know that you you sort of spread a message of doom, but that you rather spread the message of hey, you know, we can do it if we just all do it together, or if we just make one little change, or if we, you know, things like that. I find that wonderful. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I'm, it's, a, it, you know, programmatic formatting. Um, you know, we've, we had, we have a really great thing here at South Dakota. Um, honestly, it's been a really wonderful place to work. It's given me so many great ideas about programming in general. Um, and what a symphony orchestra could do and can mean for, you know, uh, we talk about, we've already talked about funding difficulties and whatnot. And in some ways it's an opportunity, it's a motivation for, for symphony orchestras to explore how they can be relevant to their society, to their, to their community. As my boss says to, uh, you know, Maestro Delta David Gar, the music director here, how can we uniquely serve our unique community. Um, so you find something that you find a program that reaches people and resonates with them based on what's special about those people there. So something that we've done here, something called Lakota Music Project, where we uh, was started 15 years ago or so by my boss to address racial prejudice here in South Dakota and some of the greatest tension is between native and non-native people. Um, and so we thought, well, we're not going to solve the problem, but at least we can, you know, yeah. make friends and, 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 and show, show maybe a path forward to opening the door to conversations and to friendships. And, uh, it, it took a long time and it was, it was really a, a, a collaboration between two unique styles of music and very respectful and there have been some long time long-term friendships that have come of that um, we recently recorded an album that will be released within the year um, as well as a, as a documentary that we produced about the collaborative process which is really interesting between people who who don't make music via the page like like symphony orchestras do and combining how do you make a record like that or how do you even perform a piece um, when folks play music by ear versus um, on the page. Yeah. And I think the way that we collaborated and, and solved that problem is a beautiful metaphor for how, you know, any differences between two people with different, slightly different values can be solved. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's really important to, to serve your community. If anything, uh, it sounds a bit contrived, but that's, that's where the money is and that, that sounds terrible, but because the government doesn't fund us in the way that, that other orchestras do, um, in the world, we have to find a way to make it relevant because if people are going to invest in our organization, we need to give them a return on that investment. Um, so I think it's not enough just to do a traditional concert, although those are really great and we obviously continue to do that. But even within a little concert, you can change it. Uh, so, for example, we've had every year or so for the past five or ten years, we've done something called humanities-infused programming. It actually was a government-funded thing from the National Endowment of the Arts. Um, 
Joseph Horowitz, uh, who's actually been a guest on my podcast. Um, Joe Horowitz uh, used to be a, a writer for the New York Times, music critic, um, has written a number of books. Currently, he's the, um, I guess the executive director or the artistic director of the post-classical ensemble in, in um, Washington, D.C. Uh, he comes and we collaborate together, putting a program that has sort of historical narrative around it. So it's essentially storytelling, uh, true stories with music and, and investigating through the course of the program, um, through multimedia, you know, movies and images and narr narrative and even acting, uh, wow. what it is, what, what's it about? So for example, we did a program called Copeland in Mexico, exploring Copeland, his music, the, the populist theme. So for example, we had a, a dramatic reenactment of Copeland being uh, grilled before the Senate by Joseph McCarthy uh, during the communist uh, Red Scare. And uh, Joseph McCarthy didn't know that Copeland had actually written a communist worker song for, uh, I think, for some communist group in Minnesota. So in the middle of that, I and a couple of other staff members break in, dressed as Antifa, with protest signs singing Into the Streets May 1st by Aaron Copeland. Yeah. So Copeland got away with it. Uh, <laughs> Joseph McCarthy didn't do his research. but, but uh, And then there's also um, a movie about um, called Redes, with the music written by Sylvester Revueltas, who was one of the greatest composers of the 20th century and possibly one of the greatest composers from Mexico. Um, who was a contemporary of Copeland, who was also kind of on that populist side of things. And, and um, Redes is about, the movie is about um, an uprising, a labor uprising in, in Mexico. So um, I think programming like that really also um, can be impactful. Uh, it's, it's curating the arts and the sciences and culture all together in one experience. Yeah, and I think it, it, it starts conversations, you know, and it starts people thinking. And I think this is also the purpose of art, you know, to, to communicate and to, um, to, to change also the way people have preconceived ideas and so on. Because I think you as artists are uh, also thinking differently about things and seeing things and seeing the world differently. So, yeah, um, I think we're pretty astute pattern recognizers. Yeah. That's okay. So yeah. we, we, we see connections in places that maybe other people don't see and an art can definitely, um, it, it, it's not just about facts, right? Yeah. Uh, when you're trying to solve a problem, it's because we're not just factual, logical beings, we're also emotional beings. And so I think you have to kind of bring the humanity into the conversation. And I think art does that in a really great way. Well, I don't know if you've seen my project that I did over lockdown, but I photographed 500 artists in the windows here in Vienna. Mm -hmm. um, I basically, uh, just to, to raise awareness, um, you know, to the arts and artists who were at that time still at home. Right. And this was very interesting for me to talk to artists in this time, you know, because this was lockdown in, in the sense that all our theaters were closed and, and many freelance artists didn't have any income or, or okay, right. they were supported by the state, but still, you know, it was that fact that the concerts were canceled and so on. 
I found it so interesting to talk to them and get their perspective on things. And and even with my interviews now, uh, that that I really think that, um, and 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 I I believe that every time you do something, even if it's a tiny little thing, it can have an impact and it can make people think and it can make people um, see things in a different way. And uh, and I do I, I do believe all these projects that you are doing ha- have an impact, you know, and if you can do it in, if you can use music to make people aware of uh, environmental issues, then it's wonderful you know that it that can make because i think it's always this thing uh like planting a seed you you plant the seed and um you plant another seed and another seed and trees come up you know it's a small little thing but it 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 maybe not in our lifetime but in in years to come that there will be more awareness and more be done you know for this for this type of cause so congratulations with all this that you're doing. Wonderful. Thanks. Um, yeah, you know, when we um, we we brought the Lakota Music Project, it's been, as I said, about 10, 15 years. And I've been basically a spectator on the side as an assistant conductor, but getting more involved in this production lately, just with some of the logistics and, you know, making sure the recording worked and whatnot. But so I got to know the the players um you know, the, our, our native partners and musicians. And um, it was the first time we, we brought it to our main stage as a, rather as a separate entity where it had been for a long time, we would go to different, you know, middle school gym floors around the state and tour and bring this program together. We brought it to our main stage as part of our Masterworks, you know, subscription series. And so for the first time, many of our audience members, that was the first time they had saw that, seen that project. And we've, we've gotten so many um, comments from those folks that it was one of the most you know, beautiful and meaningful things they've seen. I, I think it was just such a great expression of humanity. Um, and and uh, inspiring to see in, in a way, you know, how like for me as a, as a sort of a, aviation nerd like inspiring to see how people got to the moon in like 1960s in a tin can with duct tape and a calculator you know a slide rule uh, how they do that and it's just amazing or or um some of the other really great wonderful thing you know the world is such a terrible place in many ways but there are certain times where people rise above and you know medical science and and exploration and whatnot and Beethoven is another great example, somebody who who was the wounded hero, who, um, as a metaphor, overcome, overcame great odds. I, I think that was just a really inspirational project for people to see um, what is possible yeah. when, when, you, when you commit to something. Yeah, amazing. But now, listen, just the last thing. Um, yeah. I know uh, the the arts were very much affected during this pandemic, but also businesses were very much affected. Do you have a a, a, a name of a um, restaurant or a coffee shop or a business that you would like to mention in this? Um, oh wow! Do you, <laughs> me off guard. Do you, do um, you, um, do, where do you go? Do you have a coffee shop nearby that you love to go and drink coffee, or what is there? Yeah, there's, there's a few places. You know, South Dakota. It was interesting, you know, South Dakota 
the pandemic didn't hit the same way because there wasn't there was never really a lockdown. Oh, really? So some people, the pandemic never even happened. But yeah. um, you know, it's it's uh, so I, I would be curious to to see what the economic impact would be of, of businesses here in town, uh, as opposed to other places in the world where there were there were shutdowns. Um, but uh, yeah, some of my favorite places here in in, in Sioux City or uh, Sioux Falls, uh, Queen City Bakery. It's a really great yeah. place. Um, and uh, the Source, another coffee place I go to a lot. Um, there's a really great taco shop that I, I don't go to a lot, but I it's my probably my favorite restaurant in town. It's called right. Los Posados. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know my uh, my favorite taco place in the world is is actually in Texas. Uh, I think I posted on that on my Instagram. Um, it's this amazing little taco stop that's like a truck and like a dirt parking lot with chickens running around and peacocks. And uh, the experience is amazing. There's a, there's a table. There's like a polished table with the tabletop, which is actually a, a tree stump. It's been yeah. cut. And inside of that, there's like a revolver. It's so Texas, like <laughs> put into it. So, um, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah, it sounds much different than what we have in Vienna here. <laughs> yeah, it's the middle part of the country. It, they've dealt with the pandemic differently. Mm. As uh, far as, I'll, uh, I'll put it that way. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, it was so lovely to talk to you. And, Likewise. Um, yeah, um, I'll follow you on Instagram to see about this project that you are are planning to do. This sounds amazing. I think this is it's, wonderful it's, that you're doing. Yeah, it's gonna take a few years, I think, but we'll see. I don't know if it'll be done here or where. It's a dream I have. But oh, okay, yeah, yeah. and um, and all the best with the flying. Thanks. I you... <laughs> Appreciate it. I hope you can build up your your um your hours. Yeah. Thanks. And whenever you're in Vienna, whenever you're on this side of the pond, then um, let me know and we can grab a coffee here. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to meet yeah. you. Um, yeah. I'm planning a trip at some point. I got to get over there. You never know with COVID, you plan yeah. a trip and you got to not go. And But eventually I need yeah. to go over there. Man yeah. has invited me to come see her in, in uh, the radio orchestra. So. Oh, okay. okay uh, Thomas, have a lovely afternoon. Thank too. you. Bye. Bye-bye.